0: We're going to break down and dissect what went right and wrong in the elec- in the Auckland election with our panel of pundits. RNZ's expert in all things Auckland is Todd Nile Here we're driving. Todd, good morning to you. Good morning, Wallace. Uh, and joining Todd is PR consultant and former political editor of the NBR, Ben Thomas, uh, and former editor of the Herald Tim Murphy. Welcome to you both. Good morning. Wallace. Hey, firstly, my question is expanding around uh, New Zealand first, and I'm quite interested, Ben, in this uh, left-right split. You've got uh, you know the, the mayors of the main centre's left-leaning and yet you've got the central government uh, uh, strongly national um, what's, what's the reason for that and will that feed into election next year do you think?
1: Yeah, look, I'm not sure. I think what it really reflects is that traditionally the Labour Party is very strong on the ground. They have this organisational apparatus, um, you see it particularly in Auckland, where Phil Goff was, you know, Len Brown was sort of screwed off the top of um, the election campaign machine in Auckland and then Phil Goff, uh, sorry, Len Brown was, you know, kind of removed and Phil Goff was sort of replaced at the head. But but largely the personnel and the movement and the organisation stayed exactly the same. Tim?
2: Oh, look, I think uh, you could put John Key up for the, for the right in Auckland now and you'd have trouble probably. He might be the only one who could pull it off. Uh, it seems that they, they, they strive, they search, and they get nobody who's got that kind of impact yet. Um, so I think that Ben's right. The Labor Party uh, and the left have a real lock. In Auckland now, Mm.
3: but I do think people think differently about local things. You know, it's about their parks, their footpaths. Auckland has got big issues as well, and I think people are probably more ready to listen to somebody from their community as an individual than rather going out and voting for a region-wide political brand. I think the sort of the messages that go around in local government don't work as well
1: if there's a big brand political policy behind it. Mm. I, look, I think the other thing is that uh, the National Party, for instance, doesn't tend to exert as much control over their local candidates. Um, in Auckland, it is a bit of a sort of fiefdom, you know, or or some might unkindly say retirement village for the National Party, um, where you have these kind of curmudgeonly characters who don't really like interference uh, from from a central at a central level. You saw that with the, the you know sort of abject failure. Of Auckland Future, um, which was an attempt sort of, you know, vaguely directed from Wellington at the beginning to kind of refresh that brand, and there was a real kickback mm. from the And on veterans. the face of it, that had potential, you know, a
3: well-organised, big brand with, with grunt behind it, with policy, with analysis, you know, mm. you would have thought there was a room for that, but... You know, was the was it the bad execution that sunk it? Was it the fact that it was a region wide brand that people didn't respond to? I mean, it flopped even on the North well, Shore. Let's,
0: let's look, look at some. What, what did you make of Vic Crohn's campaign? We talked with Todd uh, earlier that uh, you know it started very very strong, had a had a, a very strong momentum behind it, and he had a you know a really serious candidate. What do you make of Vic's? Uh, a campaign.
2: I thought she came a long way, but not very far, and her issue was politics. She she got herself schooled up really well actually on a lot of the issues, but she just didn't and wasn't disposed to politics. I think it's easier to probably go in on a list to the national, um, sorry, the nationwide uh, central government um, parties than it is to put yourself up as the sole solo player as a mayor of Auckland. Uh, she, look, she may well, if she goes again, may well have a much better chance at it. But learn, do you, think, something to learn, you, do
0: you know? think she might, someone like Vicroin has got a, another chance,
1: Ben? I think she probably feels that she does. Um, she was suggesting that she has a future in uh, local body politics. Um, then again, we saw with guys like Greg Polino that you don't necessarily get a second shot. Yeah. yeah, and 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 look at her background. She's
3: a you know she's a high flying executive. Is she going to go on hold for three years to have another crack at the mayoralty?
2: Um, I think it'll be, know, be one would year to it. the uh, national party list winner.
3: It is. That's true. If that w- if that was the ambition.
0: Yeah. And then, of course, you had uh, you had uh, Bill Rolston, who I thought might have might have got in this time round him, but Mike Lee just uh, pipped him there.
2: Yeah, look, Mike Lee has a huge record, and uh, it was always going to be hard for Bill. Um, Lee could just tick off all the things around Auckland that he's been thoroughly involved in, and there's a great incumbency factor there. Mm.
0: What most surprised you about this uh, about the election in Auckland?
1: Not a huge amount. I think uh, Vic Crone probably made a better showing than a lot of people expected. Uh, At the same time, it wasn't totally out of line with Polino's performance against Len Brown in the last election. Um, So no no huge surprises. I think, again, uh, Chloe Swarbrick was talked up a lot, but her end result wasn't much more than a pretty significant protest vote.
2: Mm. Oh, I think uh, Phil really just kept the line, did what he had to do. And uh, he'll be good. He is not a low energy uh, candidate or a low energy person. I sat next to him at one debate, and he just comes out of his skin with passion for what he's talking about, uh, which doesn't seem to be his actual profile out there in the community. That's interesting you say, because that didn't <laughs> that didn't really come across as the leader of the
0: Labour Party. But a couple of the debates I did uh, with both Vic and uh, Phil, what was what was really pronounced was how Phil would uh, jump in there with facts and then bring it up with a personal anecdote, Uh, and Vic really really came across as a business person and business person only, knowing the big sort of phrase, but not really sort of giving her much of
3: herself, you know? He's had 30 years of doing this, of getting elected every three years, what's that, 10, (laughs) 10, 11 elections, he should be that good, but it was interesting listening to your interview with him earlier. Uh, and this may be a challenge that he faces, it was all about the government. Everything he talked about was about the government. He's going to need to get out of being a parliamentarian and start being the Mayor of Auckland Council. He, housing's all about the government. Auckland Council actually has a significant housing well, programme, so what's going to happen I agree. Then? I
2: think he sounded very political, and it'll be interesting to see how long it takes him to uh, break away from any Labour Party policy. Really. Well, we've got a man
0: here who's hugely experienced in central government. Uh,
1: what, do, what do you make of his government stance? Well, he's kind of painted himself into a corner. Um, if, you, if you look at the actual campaigns, Goff and Crone, you, you couldn't get daylight between them. In in the sense that they're both running on two to two point five percent rate rises at most uh, no more borrowing um, no asset sales and so that that really leaves Goff with um, you know he needs to appeal to government so he's been talking about congestion charges you know there, there, there is a huge there is a huge deficit facing Auckland Council in those mm.
2: infrastructure areas and Phil's interesting in that he's said he wants to take three to five percent Spending cuts out of all parts of the council, wherever he can find them. Now that means he's criti- critical of the council's performance, needs to be more efficient, and so on. But you're going to be cutting some things, so you're going to have, and he won't be able to control necessarily. You're going to have some berm issues that come up as things get thrown <laughs> overboard, and that's going to. A of the to new see.
0: headlines for the for the for, for the new year, the berm, berm <laughs>
3: back, back to the berm. Yeah, Todd. but there is money that can be cut, and the council is cutting some. But I think that's going to be one of his challenges: is this perception as an outsider that he has is that there's hundreds of millions of dollars sloshing around and they're waiting for him to cut it. He may, you know, he gets through the door for the first time tomorrow. I wonder whether he'll find that it's not necessarily the way he's
1: been portraying it from the outside. Yeah. Look, yeah. the the council needs to find $1.5 billion just to fund its share of the, the central uh, city rail link. Um, you're not going to get that by cutting a biweekly newsletter or getting rid of some web maintenance Or stuff. raising
0: the living wage. <laughs> Which Absolutely. adds $4 million
1: to the cost. Yeah, well, that, that's right. You know, all of these small things add up. And, and you know, it's a bit of, you know, we really did see sort of lazy politicking all the way through yeah. this. There was you a know, lot of posturing, wasn't ev- there? Every, and- everyone's going to provide more services for less money. And actually, I think it's an indictment on the major candidates that actually the 22-year-old Chloe Swarbrick probably did have the best policy platform of any of them.
0: What did you make of Chloe Swarbrick's uh, stars? And she's being very, very coy about uh, where she's going to next. But... Uh, You can you can bet that a couple of parties, maybe the Greens, uh, would have approached her. Hey, what are you doing for next year?
2: Oh look, I thought she was highly impressive. So on to Chris Trotter
0: said a young Helen Clark. Ah
2: well, (laughs) who's that a a a, 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 a compliment to? Um, (laughs) Look, I I thought she was really effective, and she was. You're right. She had her most coherent in front of people, stand-up policy. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to go into national politics? She,
3: She came in to make a very important point and I think made it, but I don't sense that she's someone who sees a life in politics ahead of her.
0: Very, very good indeed. Well, Todd Nile, Ben Thomas and Tim Muthier, thank you very much. And in Wellington, uh, from Insight, Philip Tolley, thank you for joining Sunday morning this morning.
2: Thank you very much for having me, Wallace. Great to be here.
0: Very, very good. Uh, and just recapping, looking at the mayors uh, before we move on, around the country, uh, Thames Coromandel District elected Sandra Gowdy. She was Coromandel MP for the National Party nine years. Tony Coxshaw returns... Unopposed Now, Hamish McDowell, a former mastermind and sale of the century winner. Uh, ben, he's become the mayor of Wanganui. Do you recall mastermind? Do you recall Hamish?
1: Look, I never saw him a mastermind. I've met him a few times as a candidate for Labour. He's um, a perennial runner-up to Chester Burrows um, in that area. Um, very impressive guy. Very good.